first of all, Spike, so glad you're sitting down. Um, after 18 consecutive home losses, the Knicks won tonight. I repeat, the Knicks won tonight, defeating San Antonio 130 to 118. Welcome everybody to the TKW podcast. It's a uh, it's cause for celebration on the, on the pod today. I'm here with my co-host Kyle Maggio. What's going on, everyone? You can follow Kyle at Kyle Maggio on Twitter. Also joining me on the pod, Brian Giberman. As a Michigan and a Knicks fan, today did not go the way I expected it to go. It's uh, today's been full of surprises for all of us. Uh, you can follow Brian at Brian Giberman on Twitter. You can follow me at Corbo Anthony, and while you're at it, we got uh, plenty of plenty of excitement over on the Knicks Walls Twitter feed tonight. Uh, we've this win feels good. I mean, this is first win in you know two and a half months at at home. It's I mean, you're not going to get more excitement out of that feed than what you're going to get right now. So go follow us there. Go follow TKW podcast feed. Uh, Head to the nextwall.com. We got a lot of draft coverage coming out soon. Mike Cortez is going to have some of that. Uh, plenty of interesting pieces there. Again, it's going to be a good day over there tomorrow with the wind just to celebrate. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube if you're all, if you're over there right now. If you're using a podcast app, please leave us a review and give us a, a nice rating. We'd very much appreciate that. And uh, you know, now that I'm through all that, let's. Let's sit back and appreciate this for a second, guys. We had some pretty stellar performances from a lot of players tonight. It ends up with a a big win for the Knicks. They beat the Spurs one thirty to one eighteen. Uh, you know, give the crowd something to cheer about. It, it's yeah, you know, pretty pretty good day overall. Uh, Brian, I don't know. There's a lot of different places we could go here, but is there any player in particular you want to start with tonight? <laughs> It was, how about, I'll just, in general, it was their best, okay. and it, I thought it was their best performance of the season. I, I uh, wholeheartedly agree. That was the most fun I've had watching this team this season. It was, the Hawks game opening night was fun. Yep. The Bucks The last win at home. The, the Bucks win was fun, but just the way it was, the players who contributed and really put their imprint on this game was probably made it in addition to just the best, the most significant because of how we saw some of these guys able to contribute to winning basketball in a way they haven't always. And like, and it's a lot of it really that got me most excited was just how they kind of played together out there. It was great. I mean, you had, you know, even at the, at the very end of uh, the game, you know, you had, Rebecca Harlow talking to Damian Dotson and Mitchell Robinson and, and, you know, Damian Dotson basically said, you know, he, he had his career high in threes tonight. And did this his career high in points too? 27? No, he had 31 against the heat last year. Gotcha. All right. So, you know, high scoring game for him. Definitely. You know, the, he had eight, three pointers. Uh, you know, they ask him about it and immediately he goes, you know, Dennis with 13 assists, you know, he would just pass the ball out as he's driving and I'm over there. It's, it's like, 
the chemistry these guys are starting to develop is great and we haven't ta even talked about mitchell robinson yet who had you know maybe his best game of his career one of it one of his best ones maybe if not but like you know just he's catching lobs out there too it's it's just these guys really are the guys who we want to see sticking around together are really starting to make an impact at the same time and that's I mean, that's the most encouraging thing you can get right now. Here, yeah. Kyle, I'll set, let me set you up to talk about Dennis with a stat for him. He had 13 assists. Okay. Seven of those were for threes, and he assisted on six of eight of Don Dotson's three-pointers. Yeah, I had, a, I had a couple of things to say, like about Dennis Smith, uh, Dennis Smith and the Dotson pairing. Um, but, but first of all, the, um, I had a tweet earlier today where I be, like you're saying about the right guy succeeding, like being able to enjoy that. I said, I don't want much for the rest of uh, the, the next season. This really shouldn't be that hard. Just play Dennis Smith Jr., Dotson, Knox, Mitch, Trier, infinite minutes as much as you can. And if Frank is healthy, him as well. That lineup should have their foot on the uh, foot on the gas nonstop. Just let them get out and run. And they played fast as hell tonight. And that's Dennis Smith, I thought, had his best game as a Nick. Um, the 30 point game was, was really terrific and fun and uh, certainly a very good game, but he, he had 19 points, the 13 assists. Um, like you said, six of them were to Dotson. I just thought he was tremendous. A couple of really nice defensive plays and steals too. Um, but tonight, I don't even think he had a turnover if I'm not mistaken. I, I just nope. want to check my zero, right? Yep, um, zero. He was in total control, total control. And, um, you know, the, the passes he were making were all those ones we were talking about. Like he, when he penetrates, there's always a guy open every single time there's a guy open because they are terrified that he's going to get to the rim. They always send the help guy to him immediately and early. So all he kept doing tonight was finding Dotson, who that's the help guy. That, that's the man. Every time they were leaving Dotson, every time I tweeted a couple of the clips from TKW and every like Dotson had like nobody around him for half of the game. And you know, he just kept finding him and it was really simple. It was, it was always like a lot of it was opposite action. A couple of them were really athletic plays that Dennis had to make, but um, you know, he just, he got to the pain. He kept his head up and if it wasn't there, he wasn't forcing it. He was pulling it back, which I, I, we have discussed that on the pod. It was nice to see him do it. So I was just really, really impressed all around by his um, game and, and dots and just, being the player we've all been high on for a while, being just that's that's his game is just catching and shooting and spotting up, and he just crushed it tonight. Um, yeah, and, and that's before we even I'll set you up now for Mitch because Mitch had like I think five blocks in his first ten minutes. Um, uh, yeah, Mitch was just I know he had three in his first five minutes before he took a seat, so. I mean, he was tremendous, even just offensively, just the way he was rolling tonight and cutting with Dennis, too. Uh, I it just it was really just both sides of the ball tonight. It was really nice to see for most everybody. And Dennis had that stretch in the third quarter where he, <laughs> he, just went nuts. Just, he was just in complete control of the basketball game, pushing it at the right time, getting attacking the Spurs defense before it was set pulling back if it wasn't there and slowing the tempo, hit, making those those passes where he was driving and flicking it out to, for three-pointers. I don't even know how he was making some of those passes. They were incredible. Those are the passes that, like, elite players in the league in the league make. He played. Yes, like, the, yes, the, yes. The, the, the difference, like, 
in Smith, like he had 17 points on 19 shots. Moutier had 19 points on 10 shots. And how much better Dennis Smith was, despite being less efficient, is just stark. The, just the, how the offense was running, it was the, the difference between it was so very obvious how much better they were performing with Smith on the court compared to Moutier. The floor opens just so, so much when you have a guard who can do that stuff that he can do. And it's just, it, it just, it really does make a world. Like, Moutier can get into the paint, too. Like, I don't want to discredit him, but he does it slower, you know? He'll back guys in sometimes, or he just takes slower steps. It doesn't, it's not the same effect. When, when he you also have doesn't that, really know what to do when he gets in there. Yes. That's the biggest difference between that I noticed between Moutier and Dennis Smith Jr. is just, like, the confidence where they actually get to the rim. You know, Dennis Smith is, is he can throw up a wild layup at times, but, you know, the like, he's not doing things like Moutier will do, like, you know, put up a one-legged step back, kind of like half layup jumper thing, you know, five or six feet away from the rim. Or, you know, just like basically try to bulldoze in there and then just lob it up there and hope he gets a foul. Like, Dennis Smith actually has kind of a manner of seeing the rim and seeing his, you know, seeing where the help defense is coming from, seeing where his man is and realizing whether... You know, which side of the rim he's going to go up around or if he's going to pass it out like he, he did so much tonight. And so I think... Oh, go ahead, go ahead No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say real quick, and, and all of MSG keeps talking about Moutier is the best passer on the team, but it, it really is very obviously Dennis Smith. And then I tweeted from the TKW count tonight, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. is exactly what he uh, what David Fisdale thinks Emmanuel Moutier is. Like, whatever, whatever it is he thinks and tr- always tries and always says about Moutier, like, that's just what Dennis Smith Jr. is and is a better basketball player. You know, like, I, I get that Moutier's his guy, and I think that's his reasoning for the public backing. And I don't think that's overall a bad thing. It sounds insane, but, like, there is something to publicly backing a guy like that and how that reflects on the league and the rest of the players. But that that's that was basically it. Just it, it's it's stark, like you, to your point about the impact that they have. So, I I just I'm very excited to have that kid on our team. Moutier has the last two games. He has 34 points on 26 shots. He's made five of nine threes, but he has seven turnovers to only two assists. And so even and you think about it, this is with him shooting well from three. And as efficient as he could possibly be tonight, like this is his best and it's not good enough. That's where the problem is. Even when he has these good nights, he's not impacting the game in a really positive fashion outside those plays where he is scoring. And he doesn't do that well enough to round out for him not to be able to round out the rest of his game with such negatives. Right. It's it's the activity that you also see from Dennis Smith Jr. that you don't really see from Moody. Like the perfect example is just like how he got into the lane, uh, you know, and got that steal even at the at the end of the game in the last minute of the fourth quarter. You know, it just he he just seems to have more of an awareness out there. He seems to be a bit more active. He's just I I just trust his ability to see the ball and just kind of make sense of where other players are on the court. It, it, it just seems so much more like it just seems like honestly moody what Moutier would look like if he if he was fully realized is probably where Dennis Smith is right now I don't I don't think Moutier has Smith's vision as a passer he he, do, he doesn't because 
we haven't seen Moody make and again not to be a total indictment against Moody again he has improved this year but you know Dennis made two passes today that were like jump passes to Dotson in the corner and they were from the opposite side of the court with like almost no lane of vision to where Dotson was and then he would throw these like over his head jump uh, over his head jump passes like I, I just on a line I mean, I just don't see that kind of stuff for Moody. You know, like he's made some good passes for sure, but he's never made some like next level kind of stuff like that where he just has the read and he makes the read at, at the correct time. You know, we I don't always see that for Moody. It's fascinating, but you know, it, it's it's a little bit of Moutier really had like kind of control of the whole thing early on there. Obviously, Dennis Pick took to, took you know over as the game went along, but like we gotta talk a little bit more about these other players on the team and what they like contributed. Like Kevin Knox had a bit of a slow start today, but he ends up going eight for eighteen. He hasn't really hit on his three pointers, but you know, nineteen points, to ten assists. He, he you know he gets into the game there. You even had Lance Thomas with like a really good 30 minutes. Uh, you know, we talked about Mitchell Robinson a little bit, but just all of these guys were really, really productive tonight. It's, I mean, what, who, all right, let, let's, let's talk about Lance Thomas for a second here before we get into these other guys. What, what do you make of him getting 30 minutes tonight? Do, do you think he'll even be able to play another minute the rest of the season or is he just going to be so, too worn down? I, I, I don't, I don't think he should have got 30 minutes tonight, but I, I I'm not going to complain about it. You know, he played well tonight. Um, the, the team played well as a whole. There wasn't, he, he didn't do anything poorly, I, I don't think. So I, I don't really, you know, I, I obviously you would prefer that he doesn't play, but, you know, he came in, did a good job tonight. Team played well, so can't really say a whole hell of a lot. Fiz, Fizdale was big on him in the post game. Yeah, and uh, I think there's something to that. Yeah, he's got that leadership thing to him. And, and honestly, like, without, it, it, it's interesting how the minutes were balanced out tonight overall. I mean, I, one, Hazonia not playing is not a big deal, but Cornette not getting any minutes is kind of interesting to me. Um, but other than that, like, I really don't have that many complaints about how Fizdale deployed the roster tonight. Do you guys? No, I thought he corrected his biggest mistake from the game before with the Moody A. Dennis. He didn't fall... In law, even though Moutier was making shots, he stuck with Dennis, and he deserves so Fisdale deserves credit to that. But why I don't have a problem with Lance's 30 minutes tonight? You had Knox at 33, Smith at 30, Dotson at 37, Mitch exactly. at 30, Trier at 28. All the guys who you need to play right. play. But what you do see, you see how it's going to be very easy for them to carve out minutes for Frank. Like Moutier's be able that's to what I was going to ask. Yeah, exactly. Moutier is still going to be able to play 19, 20 minutes. And Frank can just take those 11 Jenkins minutes, and he can take the four Ellenson minutes, and he can take some of Thomas's minutes. So you can you right. very easily see the path to Trier, Moutier, Mitch, Dotson, Dennis, Knox are basically what we're looking at for the rest of the season from the wing position, besides Mitch, at the wing and guard positions. So I guess that pretty much, you know, the the Kadeem Allen experiment is, is all but over at this point. Not not necessarily. 
I think that when he comes back, I would hope anyway that he gets a fair shake with some of Moutier's minutes. You know, I think Jenkins should take the immediate seat along with Ellenson, like Brian said. But then I do think yeah. the, the way Allen played on both ends of the ball, it, it, there's no – that's really just not right to sit a guy like that. You know, Moutier, fine. Like tonight he had a good shooting game. Um, you know, he had a fun couple of months to begin the season. But, you know, Allen was really busting his ass on both sides of the ball and, you know, really – filling up the box score and having a real impact. So that's not really fair to, I, I would be a little bit upset about that. I don't think it happens. I, I think that he's pretty much uh G league bound for the the rest of the season. I think that Fizzell is kind of like at a point where he knows who he's going to play at this point And he's not going to, uh, I, I, I think I have a feeling that this lineup plus the minutes that are going to be carved out for Frank is going to be what we see for the rest of this, uh, the 20 or so games we have left. It's- a little over 20 and games. the mid the center minutes are just going to continue to be split by when Jordan's yes. healthy will be Jordan and Robinson but that doesn't impact really the rest of the lineup and I'd, I'd be fine with them right. mixing in some cornet in if they at the four if they play the zone with him and Mitch but outside of that unless he's playing center he shouldn't play anymore either Yeah, uh, and you know it's it, we can even go back a little bit to the uh, to the Timberwolves game too. You have you started to see signs of, of the right kind of guys starting to play some minutes too, and I think like you were saying, Brian, that like Fizzell definitely corrected his mistakes after that. But like you, you had Trier playing thirty minutes. You got you know, Hazonia picked up the DMP. Uh, you know, you even had Bonley get a couple of minutes in there too. It's just. Now it seems like this is he's kind of maybe hit on something here, and obviously they had some pretty good chemistry. And if they can parlay this into you know the future games down the road, we may have you know may have a chance to pick up a couple of wins here. Um, how do we feel about the Knicks picking up two wins in their last three games? I just I like watching good basketball. I I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. It was really a relief. I, I, I know that everybody's going to say the losing is good and, and the tanking. And, I, you know, I think the Suns somehow really honestly, miraculously, uh, miraculously are the worst team in the NBA, even with Devin Booker. It's, it's truly something to behold. And um, and DeAndre Aiden, this like that's it, crazy. How bad yeah, I mean, are. they are just a miserable, miserable NBA franchise. And that is saying something. Considering they thought the they were going to we be a playoff for. team this year. I mean, everybody says that about their team. It, I know, it's but silly. like, just like the Ariza contract and everything. Like, it's just yeah, they. It, it's been a rough, <sighs> rough. But so that I, I don't know. I'm yes, the tanking's good, and yes, being in second means we could fall to the sixth pick and not just the fifth pick. And yes, that's probably what's going to happen with the Knicks. I understand. I understand. I've been prepared mentally for the fifth pick for months now. Um, so this does not bother me. Uh, seeing a young player that we trade, you know, we we traded our franchise player to get back Dennis Smith Jr. and a couple of picks. That that's basically it. You know, that's the the piece of value. And seeing that young player do well means something to me. So when when there's a nice night like this, when their lottery pick plays well, when their second round pick plays well, like when these guys are all having career nights or um, just really better games of their careers all at once. It, it's it's nice and I, I'll enjoy it. I'm not going to sit here and talk about the tanking crap for one night. It was just a fun, fun one. The part that I found super encouraging, you mentioned the lottery pick playing well, but was some of the chemistry 
that Knox and Robinson had together. Pretty much every Knox bucket outside of, I think, the 1-3. And so he had, was basically him and Mitch playing two-man game and him oh, actually that, scoring. That one pass. Yes, that too. That was oh. That was at the end. It's like he got buckets off it all game, and then he made the read to make the right pass. It, this was Knox actually contributed to winning. He played well and helped the team win. That there's, there can't be more than a handful of games we've been able to say that about him this year. And I loved everything. He started the game 0 for 4, so he went 8 for 14 the rest of the night. He was, right. He was 1 of 6 on his threes, which means he was 7 of 12 on twos. And he sucked at twos all year. So this was like, this was like that glimpse that you're like, shit, this is what this guy can be if he ever puts it all together, because that's a really damn good player. And and he drove a lot tonight, too. Like, he doesn't have all the, the free throws to back it up. Like, on, on like in December when he was driving a lot and he was getting to the line like seven times a game, that didn't happen tonight. But he got to the line more than a few times, like like four or five legitimate times where he scored or got fouled or, um, you know, I, he had a couple, I think he had a couple of floaters, a nice layup. I, I mean, he was getting to the rim. And we've said this on the pod for a while now. But he's like, that's how he is, is confident as a scorer. Like that's when he's effective is when he's attacking first and foremost and effectively it, it just opens up the rest of his game. And normally he shoots a little bit better. And, you know, after he stopped settling in the, the early going there, he just started attacking, you know, then he, he got the floater to drop and then it was another one. And then it was a layup and all of a sudden, you know, then he, he pulls a three and the three is like, it, that's how his game sort of operates is what we've seen this year. Um, so that was encouraging just to kind of see him get back to that. Um, then it kind of rubbed off on, on the, the rebounding as well. He had a nice night. I think he had 10 he finished yep. with. So, I mean, it, again, like it, it was impactful. Like he was basically, you know, running into the paint all game, whether he was going for, you know, to, to score for a rebound. I mean, he was, he was very active and it, it was evident. So I enjoyed that very, very much. Uh, how much do you guys think that the, just the team like improving and rebounding in general helped them, you know, on the court? Like, you know, Mitch obviously was able to put together a, a great rebounding performance. He walked away with 14. Knox rebounded well. Thomas was able to like gather up a couple of boards. Even Dennis Smith had some rebounds. Like, I feel like just being able to control the ball and not letting, you know, your opponents get. Um, you know, a, a ton of offensive rebounds. Like, not only are you obviously going to protect more points that way, but just I, I feel like that's got to be huge for just your on-court energy and just how you're carrying yourself throughout the game in general. It's just got to be so defeating when you just, like, are giving up possession after possession to the next team. Mitch, yeah. Mitch's improvement in that area is a huge, huge, huge development in that team. And he's not just like standing near the rim and getting easy rebounds. There's rebounds that he's grabbing over guys, that he's grabbing through guys, that he's fighting to get. He's getting some legitimate rebounds. And the, he played 30 minutes tonight. He got the two quick fouls and then didn't have a foul for a long time after that and was able to play that much. Uh, it's just the strides this kid has made from summer league to now. I, I, I'm sure I've said it before. It's it's incredible how good he is, and it's time. Like it, he's the he's their best young player, and it's time to start. It, yeah, play. like the the 30 minutes tonight, like it's go time every single night. Enough. Yeah, 
It's kind of crazy how he's like literally the top prospect they have right now. You guys want to hear a fun stat about Mitchell Robinson per our Reed Goldsmith? Yes. So after tonight, at all season, Mitchell Robinson has had more offensive rebounds total in total than uh, defensive rebounds. Coming into tonight, he had 100 total offensive rebounds and 99 defensive rebounds. And after tonight, he finally had uh, he has more defensive rebounds than offensive rebounds by I think one now. Wow! And the free throw shooting continued to be good. Okay, five of seven from the line tonight. Let's uh, let's turn to our old friend Don Nelson and check in on what he is up to these days. Coach, I know you live in Hawaii, right? So yeah, I've been spoken to pop. <laughs> 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 yeah. but, but I never spoke when I played or coached. So it just it's subdued me. But anyway, I'm, I'm doing that, and uh, I'm having a pretty good time. It's, it's more legal now than it's ever been, and uh, so I'm enjoying that. And, uh, uh, Don Nelson's a liar if he expects me to believe that he has never smoked weed while he is while he was you know during the season while he was coaching. Is this someone on record as saying that he used to smoke with Stephen Jackson? Well, Stephen Jackson's on record with saying. Okay, that. what's so that Jackson. story? There's one story that I know in particular of uh, at the very end of the season. So maybe this doesn't necessarily back up what I was just saying, but. Uh, at the very end of the season, it was, I believe, uh, Steven Jackson and God, I'm blanking on who the other player was with him at the time. Was um, it Baron Davis? It was Baron that, Davis. That's... Yes, it's Baron Davis. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, it was, uh, Steven Jackson, Baron Davis. And, uh, you know, the end of the season comes along, they get their, you know, I guess whatever kind of thing you need to get at the end of like your, your paycheck for that year. And, uh, and they're like, you know, very excited because they can start smoking weed again. And then all of a sudden, Don Nelson comes barreling down the hall, you know, goes over to them and like is is just like laughing and jumping up and down with them. And he's just like hugging them that they get to go and smoke weed at that point. Like, so if they didn't go and have just the greatest hot box of all time, then I, I don't know what uh, what they were doing. And Davis and Jackson are the one pe- for the people who were listening to the clip and didn't see it are the ones laughing and making noises on the dais with Nelson and Steven Jackson is lifting his hands in the air and like raising the roof or doing like a bootleg raising the roof, just pumping his arms from the excitement. It's a power trio. It's a power trio friendship that I just I think it stands the test of time. I, I, at this point, I think we have to admit that firing Don Nelson was the biggest mistake in Nick's history, since this is who Don Nelson is. What year did they fire Don Nelson again? He, I'm just, I, I, I want to try to figure out how we could have reshaped history at this point. It was the year Van Gundy took over. It, it, I want to say it was like 96, 97, maybe. It's a pivotal time. I mean, you know... We're talking about possibly the difference between winning a title or not with the with ninety nine. I mean, I'm not saying I'm just saying that if maybe 
Don Nelson, the, obviously the coolest man in the NBA, was coaching the team, we would have had some sort of advantage here. I don't know. He would have gotten John Starks high and kind of cooled him out a little bit on the court instead of him being... That's what I'm saying. He would have passed off a little bit more. Or or maybe hit some of those shots. I don't know. World will never know. So, All right. Did we lose Kyle? Remember when Baron Davis was a Nick and he smoked an invisible blunt? Yes. Yo. Oh, my God. That was one of the greatest moments. That was... My my the highlight of my journalistic career so far has been writing about Nick's memories on 420. Uh, but Baron Davis is just has some incredible stories, and the uh, the 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 invisible blunt is definitely just one of probably the highlight of his Nick's career. There's also the thing that came out a little bit later about him getting abducted by aliens, uh, which was just fascinating too. Do you remember that one? Where Baron Davis claimed to have been abducted by aliens. I must have missed that. <laughs> oh my god! I hold on. I gotta... uh, you know, I I I'm positive I missed that. Yep. I <laughs> never in my this life. This is no. All right. It was, I have a CBS Sports article here from 2013. Oh, uh, by July 12, 2013, written by Zach Harper, says Baron Davis says he was abducted by aliens about two weeks ago. Of uh, two weeks ago. He said on a podcast that he was driving from Vegas to L.A. and along the way he was abducted by aliens. Right, I believe him. <laughs> I do too. He says, I, I, he says, I see this light and it's a big, it's a truck. And I said, oh, fuck, this is going to be traffic. Davis said, driving, driving. And the next thing you know, there's a steel thing and these crazy looking people, half human, half other, ugly, half ugly looking motherfuckers. They were poking me on the nose, looking at my eyes. They had my hands tied. And the next thing you know, I was in Montebello, dude. Burning rubber on the way back to L.A. at 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't even know. The man's a legend. I don't even know how to respond to that. I think the only thing I could do is tell everybody to please, you know, remind you to go follow the Knicks ball on Twitter. Follow my co-hosts here. Follow, follow Brian Giberman. Follow Kyle Maggio. Follow myself. Subscribe to us. Give us that five star review. Uh, YouTube channel. Keep it coming with the comments. We, you know, we we I haven't had a ton of time to get back to you guys lately, but we promise we'll be back on you soon. Uh, so you know, let's uh, ask us some questions at TKW Podcast. If I see some of those coming in, you know the, that account's uh, starting to get that back up and running a little bit. So please feel free to reach out to us there. Um, now. We don't necessarily have a ton to talk about now. You know, all-star break is over. The games are back. People are kind of paying a little bit more attention to what's going on in the court. So we don't have a ton to tell you on our tea leaves segment of today's show. But we do have a fairly notable discussion that happened between uh, one Zach Lowe and one Ian Begley uh, on on the Low Post podcast in which uh, Zach Lowe said he was pretty sure that it was something about uh, Porzingis not wanting to play with Durant. That was, you know, kind of the driving force behind all of this. And it's, it's interesting. All right. um, Let me, let me find the actual quote here. He says, I don't think he was psyched about playing with Durant. I don't know how directly that was verbalized to the Knicks, 
but I'm confident that it, it wasn't something that was his plan A. He wanted to be the face of the franchise. What do you do? You guys make anything of that? Does is that I, I? It's one of the things where I'm struggling. Like, is that just common sense, or is that actually something that the Knicks took into consideration here? I kind of hinted at it on the pod. Um, I, I think it was right after the trade. Not not the emergency pod. I think maybe a, 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 the next one, or I I don't know. But I, I thought about it, and I was like, what if? You know, say they didn't know Durant was coming, you know, and what if, you know, part of that wink, wink deal was, you know, his agent, Rich Kleiman, was going to get a position in the next front office, which is rumored to be something that may be happening. Right. So what if I'm thinking you already know that he's they have a, a tense relationship with the Porzingis family. So you already know there's not a lot of trust there. So what if you know, they were envious of that. What if they knew? Like, we, we know Durant's coming, and we also know that his agent's getting the position, yet you're not really doing some of the things or, you know, that Giannis Porzingis wanted. So I, I do wonder, and I speculated that, and now all of a sudden, K, KP doesn't want to play with Durant, but he wants to win. It, it, does, it doesn't make sense. He was frustrated with the lack of direction here, yet... Um, it's speculated that he wouldn't have wanted to play with Durant. It, it's very, it's very strange. So who did he want to win with? You know, it's very, it, I don't understand what that means. You know, it's counterintuitive. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It That's the first, like, I haven't taken shots at Porzingis for wanting to leave it all. I've been, I was perfectly fine with it. It was a completely logical decision and it's, it's fine. But this is the first time that I got kind of annoyed at him because, come on, dude. Like, you don't, you don't want to play with Kevin Durant? You don't want to win? You talk about winning. You've bitched about the team not winning. And then you're presented with an opportunity to win. And you're like, now nah, I'm good. That's that's not what I want. I'd be fine with Kyrie, but I wouldn't be fine with Durant. Get out of here. And I just wanted to uh, say, I was wrong. Don Nelson was 95, 96. 96, 97 was the Heat Knicks first Heat Knicks brawl. I'm an idiot. Well, I, look, again, I, I, the KP thing, I have a lot of mixed feelings on it. And I'm not going to, I don't want to dive too far into what's already known about this whole thing. But yeah, it, it's a silly look to say that, you know, you don't want to play with Kevin Durant because you want to be the face of the franchise essentially is what's being hinted at here. But do you, I mean, are we, are we sure that Zach Lowe has his facts together here? Like, are we sure that he's, are, are we, are we sure that people, not necessarily that he's not hearing things, but that people aren't just blowing this whole thing out of proportion because this is, you know, a very dramatic story. You'll have to come out of a very dramatic team in this For league. For sure, it's a little of both, but he's as plugged in as anybody. I mean, he was verifying some of that LeBron to L.A. stuff last year, too. So I, I don't think, you know, uh, we, yeah. we said it, I think, I, I don't week, doubt Zach Lowe's credentials at all. I'm just saying that people, I, I don't doubt that people wouldn't love to make a bigger situation I, out of all this. I, I'm sure, but then he even sort of verified the, the James Dolan Bill Simmons stuff too, which was a little bit surprising because that seemed like uh, they they put the kibosh on that pretty quickly. And you know, then Zach Lowe was like, "Hey, I heard the same shit." And it's like, "Oh, well, I, again, like he's he's plugged in. He's as fair as anybody. 
Um, you know, he seems to be right pretty often when he does go on record and say something. So I, I would tend to believe him and it lines up with a lot of the stuff the national guys have said. And I, I think he's telling the truth, at least from what he's been told. There's a couple of reasons why I believe what comes from Zach Law. One, I trust his judgment in what he'll say publicly and what he'll choose to hold back. Two, he is not a he's not a Woj. He's not a Shams. He's not a Stein. He's not always fishing. He's not fishing for breaking news. So he doesn't have to say things for people in order to get information. In the end, he's an analyst. And I think people around the league just respect him and believes he does a good job. So he come and he's plugged in and he's talking to people. So he comes across stuff and he knows stuff, but he doesn't have to put his integrity aside at times to be able to get the information he has access to. So that's why I think that's a really credible place for that to come from. It's, it's, it's interesting. Does it change anything in the long run though? Like, does this obviously KP is is a distant memory to to most Knicks fans at this point? But you know, does this kind of is does this solidify any more the Durant to New York rumors? Does this push this you know proverbial you know arrow a little bit more in the direction that we're talking about? Like, it's because like now you have people who are inside you know even players here who you know who pretty sure that this is a done deal. You've seen it annoy on both sides now. If this is what's really happened, you have not only, like, is Durant now upsetting, like, Draymond Green from earlier in the season and, and you know, his own, t- his own team, but you have him now kind of, like, disrupting things on teams that he's not even on. Like, you know, he disrupting the, the kind of flow with New York. And, you know, it's it's not a great look to be pissing off both sides of, like, the players involved here, but... At the same time, you got to put that blame on KP for just being annoyed about it in the first place. I mean, not wanting to play with Kevin Durant just seems like a silly thing, in my opinion. It does make me feel like the Durant thing is a little bit more legitimate. Um, I still don't. I'm never going to fully believe it until I see it. But when, when like the Zach Lowe's have come on record now, in addition to the Mark Steins and the Chris Haynes and um, just pretty much all the guys who normally get this stuff correct and, and are on tap to slowly leak things like this, like they did for the LeBron to LA thing. Um, it, it, it's starting to be very evident what they're trying to do here. Um, that said, with, with a guy like Durant, who, you know, up until the second before he signed with the Warriors was going back and forth with them in the thunder and, and changing his mind, um, I, I don't until he's safely in New York with a signed contract. I, I'm not, I'm never going to fully be on board, but uh, it, it seems to be picking up like actual credible, legitimate steam. Has it? Yep. Well, before, I mean, the steam's been there for a long time. It, it, it is, but, but now I feel like there's more drops coming. Like there's, there's more heavy handed, rumors instead of like oh it could be a possibility it's turning into well his agent is you know is telling people his people are telling people this you know it's 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 more like they they do this like slowly they basically like draw like a little thin pencil line and then over the course of the season they just kind of like darken it over and over again until you really know it's there 
Like, and I feel like that's what they're doing right now. They, the, the point's been there, but now they're just giving you a little bit more each time and digging in a little bit more each time. Always remember this. The season started with Zach Lowe in his preview for this season specifically. He started and led that column with one sentence. Kevin Durant is going to sign with the Knicks after the season. Yeah, I, 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 I trust him on it. I, I, I do. It's, I, it's hard for me to see myself buying all the way in at this point. But you know, we've talked about before and how how deeply we feel about it. But if there's anybody whose word you're you should be taking so far, it's got to be his. I mean, he he, we've been speculating it on it for several episodes now and everything like that. And he's it's always seems to be something new. It's this is the topic that kind of you know Lowe himself just kind of can't stop talking about. So there's definitely something more than he knows that he's not letting on necessarily. But I guess in in time, it to this all we'll all figure this all out in time. Hi. Before we get out of here today, why don't we just kind of take a quick look at what the Knicks have ahead of them. So, play the Magic on Tuesday, play the Cavs on Thursday the 28th, and then the Clippers are on the following Sunday the 3rd. But, you know, we're we're looking at the Magic game, we're looking at the Cavs game. Potentially, the Knicks could pile a couple of wins onto you know, the, these recent ones that they've gotten as well. Uh, they have the Kings game after that Clippers game, and then it really comes down to that Suns matchup, which everyone kind of has circled on their calendar for the obvious tank implications and all of that. But, you know, before we kind of get up to that point, we got the Magic and we have the Cavs before we're going to talk again. Do we have any any particular thoughts on what the Knicks should be looking to carry over into these games? A win. More wins. More wins. <laughs> People are going to get angry at me, but yeah. yeah. I'm cool with it. No, but I mean, like, you, you got the Magic, and they are... It, it's... They're a pretty good rebounding team. You have... You know, it, it's whether our guards are going to be able to play well against against them. They don't really have too much on the forefront there. Uh, can Mitz continue to rebound well? What's the starting lineup going to look like? It's you know, I'm kind of interested to see what solidifies from what we brought over, what they were able to accomplish against the Spurs. Just like, can they bring it over to a team that's, you know, not quite as talented? And, you know, are we going to see some holdover effect from this game or are they going to go back to being the same inconsistent players that we've been struggling with all season? They're probably going to go back to being the same inconsistent players, but I'd like to think that, you know, like Mitch has been playing really, really well since the trade. I'd like to think that that's going to more or less continue. I, I, I Nights like this, I don't think he's going to keep having. This was not clearly his best night as an NBA player so far. But um, he'll, he'll do this again. It will happen again. No, it, I, I don't know. 
I don't know how well, like it's not going to be a regular thing is my point. Like he's going to get, he'll have good games, but it's going to be more like the normal good games we've seen over the last five or so games. But you know, you'd like to think guys are going to start stringing it together. You'd like to think Knox is going to shoot above 40%. You'd like to think that Dotson is going to, you know, not give you single digits. He's going to give you those 16, 17 point games regularly again. So I, Dennis Smith Jr., you know, staying aggressive and, and, you know, really having full reign of the offense and then getting comfortable with these guys like he has been. So maybe, maybe they start to play some good basketball. Hopefully, you know, even if this was a loss, I would have enjoyed this game. Like they can lose this way. Sort of how we started the season saying, if we just enjoy the games, then they had, you know, those, those good close losses. Like if they do that, sure, whatever, but just play good basketball. If they're playing like this, all the kids are playing like this and they lose. That's fine. It is what it is, but just play like winning basketball. That's it. The, the magic just smacked the Raptors today, but they didn't have Kawhi and the Cavs uh, have been playing actually a little bit better now because Kevin Love is back, but the magic is a, it's a different type of matchup. Now you're going to have to deal with a lot of length. I mean, they're out there playing Jonathan Isaac at the three, Gordon at the four, and Vooch at the five. So that's a lot of size, and a lot. It'll be it'll be fun to see how the Knicks match up. It would be I would like. It would be cool if Mitch would start because him versus I. I just want to see how he does. Like just throw him in the fire and see how he does against one of the best offensive big men in the NBA. And whatever happens, happens. You're. 12 you've won 12 games doesn't fucking matter let's see let's see how it goes to me it seems like what most matters to them though is going to be keeping deandre jordan happy and keeping him in the starting lineup so i just if if he comes back next game that i don't see i don't see a, ro- a road to mid starting but if he's still out then you know, yeah, I, I think there's definitely a case for that. It's just I, I feel like Fizdale now has this kind of MO where, you know, Mitch is going to come off the bench. I, it just, I don't know. It, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. At the same time, I kind of do like him coming into the game at that point. I don't know. It's just I, I don't necessarily want to disrupt when he's getting his minutes necessarily. All right, so why the coming off the bench and starting thing doesn't, like, Fizdale's whole thing about the fouls that he's been kind of uh, pitching, it it doesn't make sense. Let me, I looked up some stats before the game tonight. 12 games as a starter, Mitch has played, has averaged 5.8 fouls per 36 and played 20 minutes per game. 31 games off the bench, Mitch has played has averaged 6.1 fouls per 36 and 16 minutes per game. So he actually fouls more when he comes off the bench than when he starts. And then in the 12 games Mitch has started, he's played six minutes in the first quarter, and he's averaged less than a foul per game. So none of that, what Fisdale's saying there, really makes any sense. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the the foul issues are a a problem for him. They've been much better of late, but... It is obviously his biggest flaw, especially when he's hunting the blocks like that. So I that that's fine. I don't get the what he was talking about with the off the bench or, or, or starting. I don't I, I don't get that. But uh, it, it is what it is. You know, Mitch ended up playing most of the game and ended up having a really nice game. So I, I don't want to harp on it too much. Let's see what he does in the next couple of games. But. Can we just not lie, though? Like, there's information readily available to us now. Like, coaches can't do what they used to do in the past. 
where they could say whatever they want and we would just have to believe them at their word because we didn't have access to things. Well, so the thing is, though, some people do. Like, just it, it's always been that way. And I think that teams and, and coaches know that sometimes is they know that just people will side with the organization over any, like, I, I remember me and uh, who's that gentleman? John Schmelk. Is that the guy that you did the podcast with? Yeah, from WFAN. Yes. Yes. Correct. Yeah, and I remember meeting. We're talking about the Moutier decision from Friday, and he's a, and then you know people just get real angry when they respond to you sometimes, and they were just like, "Oh, so you mean to tell me you you fake GMs know better than you know an NBA coach?" And oh, then and I was like, favorite. and I was like, I was like, guys, like, if the team was like a thirty-win team, I would understand your argument. I would understand that they're they're sometimes winning, sometimes losing. Like you, you could you can make that argument when when they are going to set a franchise worst record, you know, this year when, when they've, when they almost set the, or almost tied the home losses tonight, you know, when, when they just, what was the losing streak before they won? Was it 18? It was a 18 games at home. Yeah. What was the other one that, that, uh, just the, the, the total losses it was, it was 17, right? I mean, it was, it was a lot. I think it was 17. It was 17 or 18. We're talking within this range. So, so like, when when they're doing this constantly, and and we're talking about Boudier, who was playing really horrific as that was happening before the injury, that's not the time to come after someone for Emmanuel Boudier. It's not. At least wait until a night like tonight when he has 19 points and you can make, like, some kind of a weird claim. But, like, people got really weird about, like, oh, so you know better than playing Emmanuel Moutier when he shouldn't be playing, basically. It's like, that's that's how you're going to die on? The, the, the brainy 11-win Knicks? Like, that's that's the... What, what, not not this year, not this roster, not with Emmanuel Moutier. This is not the time for that argument. Just save it. It's it, Even people are, are tweeting at uh, TKW and at myself, you know, oh, I don't want to give up on Moutier. I don't want to... Guys, like, it's it's fine. He developed. He did a little bit. He, he got a little bit better. He's... I think a regular bench player in the NBA now on, on most benches. I feel pretty comfortable saying that. Um, but that's it. There, that's it. I know he's 22, and can he still develop? For sure. But he didn't take cl- almost a, close to big enough of a stride this year to like to get the benefit of the doubt or to have that belief. Meanwhile, you have a guy who's younger and less experienced who's already significantly better than him in Dennis Smith Jr. So I like just save the time, save everybody the time. Uh, it's not the hill. It's just not the hill. Uh, it's gonna. We have what 22 games left. It's just not the hill. It's just all get through this last 22 games together, very carefree. Let's just enjoy the young guys. Hopefully, playing like this the rest of the season. But it's it, Moody is not the hill. Yeah, and when he plays 15 minutes off the bench, we won't. If it, if he's just playing 15 minutes off the bench, none of us are gonna complain. Yeah, like tonight. Like even if he missed a couple more shots tonight. Yeah, like tonight's fine. Like come off the bench, shoot a little bit. He can score. I don't know why we pretend like he's the best passer. Like, he can score. He's a scoring guard. I don't know why we have to dress it up like he's the best pure passer or point guard on the team. He's a scoring guard. Let him let him do that, how he can do that. That's how he's effective. That's how he's been effective this year is he's been a better scorer. So just let – I don't know why we have to dress it up, basically. You know, why does he need to be the Dennis with junior point guard? If you want him to come off the bench and score, just call it like that. Hey, MSG just drug they or the 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 Knicks and and everybody else just the, the, they're the the best passer uh, nonsense with Moutier and I'm just very over it. He's he's not. It's okay. 
it's not that big of a deal. I mean, I I, I kind of just don't have anywhere to to necessarily disagree with you. He's, it's, they've done fine by him. Like, he's played here at a, you know, somewhat below average level, but like well higher than, you know, his stock is way higher than what it, it was when he came into New York. And it's like, I, I, I don't think that when we acquired Emmanuel Moutier, when we traded for him, our goal here was to make him, you know, the next franchise point guard. I think the goal was, you know, we're going to see if we can maybe squeeze out from value, some value from you down the line. But if not, like, you know, this is a, a low stakes team for you to try to, you know, revive your NBA career. And to a degree, he's done that, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to, you know, this is where he continues his career. I have a question. At, at this point, I kind of think the organization did trade for him and was hoping he would be the franchise point guard, but he ended up, they were at least knowledgeable enough to know that he wasn't, but I don't think it's out of the question that they were hoping that's what's going to happen. I think they, I, well, to a degree, I think they, they took the chance thinking that there was obviously something there, like Anthony said, but, you know, I think they, when they made that trade, um, I, I think it was with the intention of just getting any young guard because, you know, Frank was a question mark and still is. And I think they were just like, hey, it's just he was 21 at the time when we traded for a Moody. So just like, look, he's just 21 year old guard, a lottery guard sitting on the bench. Let's just get him for cheap, basically. So I, I think they took almost the. I wouldn't say we get Dennis Smith Jr. for cheap at all, uh, even with the the price the, the Mavericks paid for um, the contracts of Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee. But um yeah, I think that's why it's a little bit different. Like Dennis, we actually got back because we needed something valuable for KP too. But Moody was like, "Hey, let's just kind of buy low, see what happens." And then you know, November and uh, December happen, and Moody plays well, and you're like, "Oh, this is fun." And then he falls off a cliff, and you're like, "Well, okay, we tried it," you know. And I, there's no shame in that. I thought that was a fine price to pay for what they tried, but uh, I, I think that a small part of them they probably thought that there was a. A, a good starting caliber guard there at the very least. And it just didn't work out. I don't think it was a bad trade, but you know, it happens. Do we remember what we gave up for, for Moody? Doug McDermott solid player. Yeah. But with any, you know, no real long-term plans there. Like the, the risk was not there with taking on Moody. No, it, you know, hold on. I, I have the, the, the trade here. Yeah, I think wasn't it just McDermott for Moody? Was there a pick involved? It was it was a three way trade, I believe, right? But I don't think we gave up anything else. Okay, hold on here. Uh, there was a second round pick to Dallas, and the Knicks sent the deck uh, a second round pick to Denver. Okay. Along with I mean, he's shooting forty percent from three this year. I thought I actually liked McDermott. I really liked McDermott last me, year. I think me too. Role, I think he has a place in this league as a role player. Yeah, I, I I have no doubt about that. I just you know I think he recognized where the team was going to, and I I I have no doubt that he kind of asked more. Uh, yeah, I you know I I think it was more a mutual thing. I should say between the two of them, but. Yeah, Moutier just strikes me as just he like just literally low risk, 
uh, yeah, and I, I don't disagree with what Brian said either, where the Knicks probably traded for him, hope, maybe not necessarily believing, but like hoping and just like in the optimistic way that the Knicks have always operated, like hoping that Moutier would develop into that, you know, point guard of the future. But, you know, it's, it's like we're saying, it's, it, I think they recognize too that it, he's, they have better options they can be looking into. Uh, it's not really a slight against Moutier, like, you know, as a whole or as an NBA player, it's more of the Knicks have other options that would work better for him long, for them long term. And Moutier could probably find something a little bit that suits him better elsewhere as well. I, I think this should be a more mutual thing, but there seems to be some other kind of lingering force that just demands that Emmanuel Moutier be in the point guard conversation with the Knicks at every, any given time. I'm afraid we, they want to resign him. I'm afraid they they consider it. I I if there wasn't so much like not confirmation, but if there wasn't so much promise in in the whole Durant and Kyrie situation, I I kind of wouldn't put it past them to throw a relatively team friendly deal at Moody. I, that that five million dollar option, I'm worried. Yeah, yeah. But the exception. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, some of the some of the fan, we tweeted an article out um, by that by our new writer uh, Stephen Lewis, I believe, and um, yes, it was about not resigning DeAndre Jordan, and a lot of fans kind of simply replied back, you know, oh, we'll just use the the exception, so it doesn't eat into the cap. And I was like, well, this is assuming that the man who's made over ten million dollars a year since 2011. Um, every year since 2011 is just going to suddenly want to take that. And I don't know that that's, I, I think, you know, if he knew that the gravity of the situation and that those guys were coming, I'm sure that there's a reasonable discount that he'd take, but I don't know that he's going to go all the way down to 5 million. I mean, he's going to be, he's 30 now, you know, he's got a good contract or two left in him. I, I don't know that $5 million uh, exceptions are really up his alley. So I, I don't know what he's going to cost, but I don't think that that's exactly realistic either. And that would be an awful use of that exception by the Knicks. Are you, are you like full canter on him now with DeAndre Jordan? Is that where you no, got to? He's defensive. I like him better on offense because he's not stopping the ball. His defense is somewhere in the range of canter. Yes, it's that bad. I. He just, he just, like, he'll just be, like, standing in a spot, and he's not close enough to help towards the rim, and he doesn't not on his man, and he's, like, he can't close out to three. He just kind of stands in the middle of nowhere that's close enough that if the ball might come off the rim, he can grab it and make his rebounding numbers look really good. And he doesn't push up on screens. Like, when he does, he actually moves his feet all right, and he can, he laterally goes okay. But he just sits back and lets guys come to him and he just gives up. He creates so many easy open looks for the other team. It's very hard for me to watch. So yes, I am near somewhat near him. Kander. I, I, I do happen to think, and you can yell at me and we're just speculating now, but I'd have to imagine if you're going to sign those guys and you ask him to come back, I would imagine he's actually going to give you good effort. Again, we're just speculating, but that would be my hunches. Because he simply he was that a, a very good player for a very long time, and he's not even old. 
and he hasn't had any injuries. He's still in shape. Like there's no reason for him. It's just effort. He's simply just deciding to not try on a consistent basis. And I, I would happen to think that if all the spotlight was back on this team, that he would suddenly start trying again. But again, we are speculating. So he did that. He did this stuff with Blake and CP three, but like ladder ladder early on, he was better, but it's been going with multiple teams and, Three straight teams. I I disagree that it would be a bad use of it just because if he were to sign for five million, I'd have a really difficult time yelling about that. I I just would. So you could get you could get a much better like five million is a good amount of money. Who would would you take if you had to fill that spot? I have. You're really going to make me look up free agents. Yes. Yes. Of 2018-19 free agents. Like, for instance, this year, Nerland's Noel would have been a better use of that money. Okay. Than no, that, that's, that's fair. So, and he, I think he went for like two years, six million with like a team option or something like that. All right. I'm just using hoops hype, even though that's not always the best place to go. So if I had a $5 million exception, oh, this is a shitty list. Never mind. All right, ESPN. Dwayne Dedman is a big man I would look at before DeAndre Jordan. That's why I'm just going team by team. Tamari Carroll is a guy I would look at before DeAndre. Carroll would be interesting because he's a little bit older. Dedman strikes me as someone who might be a little bit too... might be a little bit above that price range, but Robin, yeah. Robin Lopez bring him back if he was willing to. I'd rather have him. Yeah. Robin Lopez is better than DeAndre Jordan at this point. When DeAndre yeah, Jordan yes. tried and was good, he was not better than him. Robin Lopez has been having a pretty decent year, but even still, like, uh, I, I mean, De- that would De- be a De- top De- 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 Yes, I, I think there are players. Is your point? So I think you're correct still, but. Kevon Looney would be one, and I'd be willing to do more than a one-year deal with him. If you want a backup center, that would be a great target for you. I, I still, even still, even with these guys, like I still wouldn't hate it. I, like, just it's not a. It wouldn't be enough for me to. I, it would be just a non-factor for me. I'd be like, okay, I see why you did it, but whatever. Would Bohan Bogdanovich from the Pacers get more than five million? Yes. Patrick Beverly. I'd have to imagine Beverly's going to get more. Yeah. I uh, Beverly might be close. Garrett Temple. I, I, not, he's, he's around there. Like he's probably like a five to seven. So uh, Garrett Temple, Reggie Bullock, guys like that, I would a hundred percent pay over DeAndre Jordan. I'm going to get crushed for this, dear God. No, I don't think you're it's, wrong about it's that point. You're not I, wrong, I, but like, because the people who are going to argue for him are sort of technically right like he still is actually a good player he's he's just really not trying and then you could make your point sort of either way based on that like how much you value the not trying like is that going to seep over to next year with a better team hopefully or is that just like he's just okay you know what now we have a legit team i'm going to try you know and i think that's kind of where like for me i would assume that common sense is if if you were to accept a deal and come back that we're going to get an actual basketball player, you know, and not just somebody who doesn't want to give their all at the end of an 11 win season. Is Al Farouk Aminu going for more than 5 million at this point? Uh, not really. Yeah, I, I would I don't say think so. so. 
See that, around there. That'd be that. That's a very good name of someone. Who, I would say I would get him for five million. Kenny, if that's what we're talking. Kenny Green. I don't think he goes for five million, but he might be willing to come at a cheaper price to play for a winner and some long-term security. That's probably the guy. Hometown team. That that's probably the dude that scrolling through all that. That I, that would be my first call, Danny Green, and see what he would say. Come home, Danny. Anyway, do you guys have any parting thoughts before we uh, before we head out of here tonight? I'll let you be done with it. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right. Um, you know, Kyle mentioned it before, but I just want to uh, mention it again that uh, if you guys need uh, the if you guys are starting off the day with a good Knicks read, the one that I'm going to recommend to you is Stephen Lewis's piece on the Knicks wall uh, of why the Knicks should not re-sign DeAndre Jordan. Uh, kind of segues perfectly from our conversation we were just having, but uh, dig into that a little bit deeper. Stephen did the work for you just to check out what he's got to say on this. Um, you know, while you're there, just, just make sure you're checking out the rest of our content. Subscribe to everything we're doing here. Uh, leave us reviews, leave us co comments, uh, you know, tweet at us. We want to, uh, you know, we want to hear what, uh, what you're thinking. So, um, until next time, we'll talk to you all later.